Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is a new baptismal remembrance that has been written for Central. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so why did we need a new baptismal remembrance for Central? What was the reason behind all this? I mean, maybe need is a strong word. We could say that I wanted one for us. Okay. Because baptismal remembrance in our liturgy, as provided by the Evangelical Lutheran Worship, which is the hymnal that we currently use in our denomination— It is uh, right at the beginning of the worship service, which is historically exactly where it has been and is good because we enter into worship through our baptismal relationship with God. And so the order of confession and forgiveness or baptismal remembrance are right at the top of the service. That's where they are in our ordo, in the typical order of the service. Okay. Let's take a step back and let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do we do this every week? We do not, but we could. We could. We could. But this particular rite I have written because we have a deacon on staff. We have Deacon Bonnie. And when I am gone for a Sunday, Deacon Bonnie is our other rostered leader of our community. Mm -hmm. And so she presides over our worship service. But our deacons do not have the authorization of the National Church to preside at communion. Okay. It's the one place where in our denomination, the difference between the word and service and the word and sacrament rosters are really highlighted to say that our deacons, our word and service rostered leaders are not authorized to preside at communion. But Deacon Bonnie is my equal in work. And so when I'm gone, she presides at the worship service and Mm -hmm. holds the space. So we needed something in the service to replace communion, not to replace it, but to be present in communion. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, because that's when we called Deacon Bonnie was at the beginning of the pandemic. And so we were already wrestling with, do we do communion online? Do we not do communion online? What would we do instead? How would we have it still have that kind of rhythm and feeling mm-hmm. of a full service? And so I was thinking about our pattern, gathering word, meal, sending. Everything just falls back to that in worship planning. And I thought, what if instead of calling it meal, we called it sacrament, gathering word, sacrament, sending? Because we have two of those. Mm -hmm. And so instead of meal on the Sundays when Deacon Bonnie was presiding, we put sacrament in and we did a remembrance of baptism. And until I was comfortable presiding at communion online, we also at the very beginning of the pandemic were doing a remembrance of baptism. And it was important to me at the time that we have something to touch or taste or interact with in that sacrament moment. Well, that makes sense because that's part of what Martin Luther liked about these. And that's why he whittled it down to two, correct? Exactly. That we have the words of Christ and some kind of tangible element. And so with that, I wanted to be able to interact with something in that moment. So originally, I wrote it in such a way that we could drink water. So in the same way that you would eat bread and drink wine, I wrote a little something-something 
that you would drink water during that time instead. So it still had the same rhythm. It came at the same point in the worship service. It was a similar action. So for those of us who are creatures of habit and pattern, which Lutherans really are, Mm -hmm. we would have that feeling of connection to our history and our rhythm and our pattern. Well, as we got closer to returning to hybrid services, returning to some on-site services, as well as our online services, being able to give everyone water in the pews to drink, I couldn't figure out how to do it. No, not in the time of a pandemic like COVID. No. And we don't have the capacity to do what's called asperges, which is that like flinging water at everyone. Oh, and let me tell you, that was my least favorite part about being Catholic when I was a kid. Please (laughs) stop flinging water on my glasses. I do not like that. So with that, I was trying to, knowing that I would be away in September, knowing there are other times that I would be away from worship and Deacon Bonnie would be presiding, I wanted something robust. And what I had was okay but I wanted something that the people in the room or the people online would both have something robust during that time that could really serve them. And potentially, if it works, share that out with other deacons and other rostered leaders as an option for a robust interaction with the sacrament when a leader from the Word and Sacrament roster isn't able to be present at a worship service. I got to tell you that, again, the Catholic upbringing in me comes out and says, how is it possible that you can rewrite something that you're using for a service? How is this possible and encouraged in the Lutheran world? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that I don't know that it's encouraged. I think that there are those of us who are liturgically minded, who create ritual and who will do this. But whether or not something like this would ever make it into a published book, I don't know. Whether it would ever be a practice that the National Church would do, I don't know if it would hold up to a true liturgist's, like a scholar's, poking and prodding at it. Mm -hmm. I'm a scholar of sorts. I have my doctorate, but that's not the same Mm -hmm. as having researched in this particular field. And so I don't know if it would fly, but Central uses a lot of words of affirmation and prayers and confessions and other pieces from a multitude of published resources. Yeah, they do. And we use some of our own stuff that we've written, but mostly we do stick to stuff that's been published and that still gathers us with a wider community one of the primary liturgical writers that we use a lot of her stuff is Ruth Duck. She writes a tremendous amount of amazing stuff and we use a lot of her material. But in this case, I went to our ELW. I went to our liturgical resources of the church and I started playing Mm -hmm. and picking. Okay. So how does it differ then? Because you started with what was already there. So in the baptismal remembrance at the beginning of the worship service, that's pretty simple. There's not a ton there. What I took from that is I did take the prayer that 
is used during baptism. It's like a flood prayer. It connects the water from the flood of Noah all the way through the parting of the Red Sea to Jesus being baptized. Like it connects the story of water in God's creation. And I took that originally and reworked it just a little bit, not a ton, but reworked it a little bit to kind of make it less about a specific moment where we're going to baptize someone else Uh and more about water in all of creation connecting us to God and connecting us to God's grace. And so it was just a little tweak. And that was where I originally started. When I started to go back to revise it here in this fall as we prepared for hybrid services, I looked at some of the newer resources published by the ELCA. And part of what I was really looking for was to try and incorporate the questions that we ask when we baptize someone. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because they're about living our faith in really real and practical ways. And I know that that would give Deacon Bonnie's heart and call a chance to sing because Deacon Bonnie reminds us all how to live our faith on a daily basis in every moment. And so that living out of baptismal call fits right in with the roster of word and service. And so I wanted to incorporate those questions. So first I went to the confirmation liturgy and I tried to find the questions that we ask our confirmands during their affirmation of baptism. And I kind of pulled a little bit there. And then I went digging to see what other resources we had and found that the ELCA has taken the Roman Catholic Rite for Initiation. Okay. And taken one of my very favorite portions of it which is the signing of the senses and incorporated it into a rite that can be used kind of like the catechumenate, similar to how it's used in Roman Catholicism. If anyone has seen one of my baptisms in my entire career, you will have seen me incorporate this. Mm -hmm. Normally I do it after the water, after the sealing with the Holy Spirit, but before the candle is given. I do a signing of the senses that covers the person from head to foot. The root of that is when adults express an interest in being initiated into the Christian faith. It goes all the way back from pre-Constantinian Christianity. This goes all the way back to the early church. They would go into a time of teaching And at one point when they'd proven themselves safe enough that they weren't going to get the entire community killed. Okay. Right. They would receive this blessing, this signing of the senses. And after the signing of the senses, they would start learning more materials about the faith, pieces that could get people in trouble. They would start to see and learn the creed. They would start to understand or see communion, right? So the pieces that were arrestable offenses Mm -hmm. would come after someone has had received the signing of the cross. It became a part of the catechumenate, part of the long teaching of the rite of initiation for the Catholic church. And I learned it from my teaching parish and seminary early in my faith and just incorporated it into baptism long-term because I loved it. 
And so what I did is I took all of these little pieces, the flood prayer, the questions that we ask for the affirmation of baptism and the signing of the senses, and I wove them together and I shifted some of the language so that it would echo the language that our congregation has heard for eight years. When I do the signing of the senses, I don't pre-write those, but there are some consistent patterns that the spirit kind of always uses. And so I took the pattern that I've been doing over these years and made certain that it kind of echoed that. And that is our new affirmation of baptism for that sacrament portion of our worship service. Has it been deployed yet? We've done it one Sunday and it will be used this coming Sunday on the 12th. What was the feedback that you got from the first one? Did anybody notice? Yes. So I specifically asked our worship committee about it because I wanted to know like what worked, what doesn't work, what do we need to shift? What do we need to change? Did it feel long? Did it feel right? And feedback was very positive. I talked with Deacon Bonnie as well. How was it to lead it? Did it feel positive? Did it feel good? Did it hit on the things that made it feel rich? Did it feel like a placeholder? Did it feel like it's own sacramental right. And so far, all of the feedback has been really positive. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this might be a new resource. Excellent. Okay, I would like to ask for a little bit of clarification. We have talked baptism, we have talked affirmation of baptism, and we've talked remembrance of baptism. Is there a clear distinction between those three? I mean, other than baptism being the main one? Yeah, good question. So Baptism itself, if we say it's the rite of baptism, that is the first time that someone is getting the water sprinkled on them or dunked, whatever method of water deployment is used. Okay. The rite of baptism is that water deployment moment. The affirmation of baptism is when someone individual or individuals are affirming a baptism oftentimes from childhood or infancy. This can be confirmation or this can be an adult affirmation. Okay. But it is not the moment that someone is being baptized. We are affirming that they have been baptized. There's a little bit different questions that are asked and it can look like a baptism, but instead of the words during the water being, I baptize you in the name of, Mm -hmm. I have used, I affirm that you have been baptized in the name of. So when there's someone who really wants that experience of the water in a memorable way, that's how I treat that affirmation of baptism. For our confirmands, there's not water deployed at any point in time, but their questions are different. Okay. And so that's how those kind of shift. A baptismal remembrance is a corporate act. It's something we do as a whole community. Okay. So if we are doing a remembrance of baptism, that is a whole community that is remembering how baptism interacts with our community and promises to hold us in love and guide us in our faith together. And one of the pieces that I really wanted when I was working on this was to try to find a way for this to also be welcoming to those who are not yet baptized. Oh, okay. Because we have visitors and we have people who are not baptized in our pews. 
So how can we make this not an insider-outsider, which baptism is inherently sometimes used as that dividing line of insider and outsider? Mm -hmm. And so trying to find a way to write this and do the blessings in such a way that it's not when we were baptized into Christ, because that makes the assumption of everyone being baptized. But to say when baptism was given to God's people. That makes sense. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. The other thing that you have rewritten or written from the beginning in this whole pandemic time are the pageants for both Easter and Christmas. Mm -hmm. Was this easier than writing those? I can only imagine it had to have been. It's a great question. I think it really was. And I don't know if it was easier than the Christmas pageant. The Christmas pageant wasn't too hard because I wasn't trying to imagine four-year-olds discussing the concept of death. <laughs> sure. That makes but, Easter a little harder. Right. Death and torture with a four-year-old. Yay. Um, so I think it was easier than the Easter pageant. Most definitely maybe kind of on par with the Christmas pageant as far as trying to theologically make certain that I got it right mm -hmm. or right enough. And I don't know. I hope it's useful. I hope it serves folks. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the new baptismal remembrance. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you are interested in checking out this baptismal remembrance or utilizing it, feel free to take a look. We will make sure that it is available in a document that you can download from our website you can check that out at centralportland.org and click on the spot for the Church Basement podcast. We'll be able to get that out and you're welcome to use it. It would be cool if you want to attribute it to me. Just put in there, used with permission, but you don't even have to do that. But if you use it and you like it, let me know. Pastor at centralportland.org. I would love to hear the stories. Thank you for listening. And until we are back in your ears, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>